Howdy there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we go by an episode-by-episode review of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because we have awful taste. I have really good taste. You guys are making me do this. So we thought that we would start with sort of an episode zero to give you guys an intro to what we're going to do, who we are, how we got into the gem, a little bit about uh, the history of the cartoon, and uh, just sort of get all that out of the way so we can actually get right into the quote-unquote action with episode one <laughs> uh, covering the first episode. Sure, action. That's what we're calling it. Hey, there's that's smash cuts. There's there's glamour. There's glitter. There's fashion. Fame. <laughs> there's some misfits. And yeah, are better. Their songs are definitely better. Uh, I figured we would start by just sort of going over our our dynamic, if you will, of uh, how we got into Jim. I am, I guess, the oldest of the group. Uh, so I actually remember Jim and the Holograms being on air. Uh, it wasn't anything that really captured my attention as a kid. I remember seeing a blonde woman who had a lot of fashion uh, with earrings, <laughs> and I remember wondering why no why no one was calling Barbie by her name, which is probably the opposite of what Hasbro was trying to do. I, I just sort of put it in the back of my head and remembered it uh, as like a weird 1980s show, as you do, until, uh, until basically, I believe that was during college, um, when Mackenzie and I were roommates, and we had been going through Netflix watching shows, we came across Jim and the Holograms and we're like, this looks awful and <laughs> 80s and girly. Let's do this. And then I became legit obsessed with it. And uh, as Annie says, um, when I was younger, um, the only thing I remember about Jim is that my older sister, Christina, was obsessed with it. And uh, I have a habit of avoiding anything my older sister likes which is terrible because her two favorites were Jim and Labyrinth, which are now two of my favorite things. Oh, dear. Uh, so we fast forward to college when I was rooming with Annie, and we were sitting around the house flipping through Netflix, and we saw Jim and the Holograms. And after that, we started uh, coming up with our own character designs, talking about how we wanted to do a Jim reboot, and uh, designing all the characters with actual personality traits, which they'll become devoid of very swiftly in the series. We have we have a reboot idea, uh, <laughs> which means that I think we are both super stoked about the upcoming comic book series. I, I never watched Gem. I was dimly aware of it in the same way that I'm dimly aware of things like He-Man and She-Ra and the other stuff of the era. Um, I'm... I am significantly younger than these two old ladies. Aww. So the cartoons Aww. that I was growing up with were um, actually a lot of mainframes output during the late 90s, all the stuff that you weren't quite sure you were allowed to be watching on a Friday night. So like Beast Wars reboot, um, it was called Shadow Raiders in Canada, but I think its actual title was Battle Planets, but you can't have battle in the name of a oh. kid's show in Canada. War, <laughs> War World, I think. Or War, War World, maybe. Or yeah, it's <laughs> the, the ones with all the themed planets, and they were constantly on each other's nerves, and they all, each planet only seemed to have like two or three actual inhabitants. That like never caught on in the States. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I'm really not. <laughs> But anyway, then I became internet buddies with Annie and, by extension, Mac, and they dragged me into this thing. And I have never seen an episode of Gem before in my life, so I'm coming into this completely blind. This should be interesting. <laughs> we're very excited. Oh, we're so excited. So I kind of read up on this. I don't know about you guys. Uh, did you guys do your homework? I didn't want to risk spoiling myself. <laughs> I, 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 I read a little bit, and then I uh, rewatched a few of the Christy Marks documentaries. 
right. on, uh, on my DVDs. Right. Uh, so, like, if you if you end up liking the show, if you get into it, uh, and it seems to be in a tenuous spot on whether or not it is or is not on Netflix, and you want to, like, throw money at this, uh, there is a complete collection of the entire show on DVD uh, that also has some great special features, like interviews with the creator of the show. Um, as and well she's as hilarious. yeah, as well as some segments of the uh, of the story bible, which was really cool. The uh, DVD itself is this enormous, like ten pound brick of glitter. You will know it when you see it, and it is quite possibly the best thing you could ever add to your DVD collection. I don't care if your DVD collection has a theme; you need this. It is hot pink, <laughs> as it should be, and there's like, like these, these amazing like oh, this is an amazing character picture inserts. They're like unheimlich in the greatest <laughs> sense of the word. Uh, there's this one picture of Kimber in particular where her head is like half a foot sideways from where it should be from her neck. <laughs> and so she she's not quite human anymore. And her like chin is kind of disjointed and off center. And it's, it's beautiful. OK, so the show got a start in the late 80s. Um, it's the important thing to know is that it was a Hasbro property as opposed to Mattel, who owns Barbie. Uh, Hasbro came up with this idea that they wanted to make a Barbie competitor that was like hip and fashionable, which means fashionable in the 80s, which might frighten you. Ah, the beauty of the 80s. <laughs> oh, it was it was a it was a period. Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> that sure was a decade in time. <laughs> exactly. So they came up with this concept of of a glam rock band, basically, uh, and a woman named M. Uh, which was like mysterious or mystique and magical. But then they realized that you can't copyright a letter. <laughs> so they came up with gem instead. Uh, they wanted to actually create like a whole story around this. They had just the most basic trimmings of this is character. She has sister also banned go. So they contacted a woman named Christy Marks, who we'll probably be talking a lot about here because Mackenzie and I have to kind of really respect her. Um, she was a writer for a very long time for the G.I. Joe cartoon. Um, and she was very much inundated with like boy things, uh, with all that kind of crazy crap. Uh, in, in interviews, I believe Mackenzie, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. She talks about how it was really interesting to sort of go for extreme girly soap opera. Yeah. And several of her comments on just the episodes in general, she talked about how in this episode, she wanted to just ramp up the drama a lot. And how if she did this in G.I. Joe, she'd just have some more people attacking or something like that. Because <laughs> she's like, that's all the boys would care about. And uh, so she'd talk about how she'd just want to ramp up the soap opera here. And so she'd introduce a new boy for Jim to get interested in. And Rio, of course, would get mad. And she talks about constantly how just ramping up the story that way was really entertaining to her. Yeah, so if this if the show comes across as a crazy soap opera, there's a reason for that. <laughs> One of the things that their goal was with the show was to create a program that was very much girl-focused, but that their brothers would not change the channel on if it was on. So they wanted to have enough, like, action stuff going on that would actually intrigue a boy, albeit uh, not enough that he would ever actually tell his friends that he watched Jim. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was sort of the focus. So she created the show. She created... Um, all the sort of characters uh, who were eventually sort of watered down from the story Bible versions to be a bit girlier. Uh, interestingly enough, in the story Bible, Christy Marks actually made a set of rules for how the hologram earrings work that the show blatantly disregards afterwards. <laughs> so eventually the, 
the doll line comes out. It's pretty popular, but Mattel has heard of this by now. And so they debut a doll line called Barbie and the Rockers. Uh, the gem dolls apparently were bigger than the Barbie dolls, so the clothes weren't interchangeable. So parents were less likely to actually jump ship to a brand new doll line uh, because that would be an expensive waste of time. So the show goes on for like three seasons. The dolls don't really come out well, uh, even though like Hasbro to in order to keep everything about Jem even more secret about like whatever new dolls they're introducing or whatever new clothing line they're introducing. Uh, they, they come up with code names and still Mattel out, outdoes them because they've been doing Barbie for so much longer. So the show eventually peters out, uh, as does the doll line. And so we're sort of left with mostly the show now, which is this weird relic where you can kind of tell the commercials are supposed to play heavily on. Like there's, there's some great moments in the first episode that we'll get to that are very much buy all our play sets and toys. And so that's essentially sort of a bit of the history of Gem, which might help contextualize some of these things, but it's pretty crazy with and without it. The first time Annie and I watched this, we didn't have much of this context. We just mm-hmm. watched them straight, and then it was hysterical. And that's when we started learning about Jim, and it became even more hysterical. Yeah. it's It was a relief to hear Christy Marks talk about the show and realize that she was very much a down-to-earth person who thought this whole thing was bonkers, too. There are several times in her uh, in her talks where she's just like, I, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know why the background artist did this. But you'd have to talk to them about it. If I remembered, I actually don't have the full set because the full set actually isn't out. They have the first two seasons out and they have the first half of season three. But as soon as you get to Riot, there's nothing else. Oh, you're kidding. So that's just like the first couple episodes of season three? Yes. Oh, my God. Which is... Which is a travesty because season three introduces like a third glam rock band. And they are the best. They're the best. They're from West Germany because it's the <laughs> 80s. I didn't think West Germany produced that many glam rock bands. Uh, uh, to be fair, to be fair one third riot. of the band is from America. Yeah. <laughs> and also the other two thirds of the band kind of encompass all the glam rock you would ever want or ever need and they do it so well why would you have more glam rock bands they're really great so every episode has uh i believe two to three usually three music videos uh from from the two competing groups of the show uh i.e the holograms and the misfits there's usually like a split of two hologram songs and one misfit song, but that changes here and there. During a couple episodes, including, I think, the eponymous Gem Jam, uh, they're actually songs by some of the little orphan girls. But for the most part, you've got these, you've got these two to three songs. And, and, and they create these little MTV music videos for each of these songs where crazy stuff happens. Uh, here's my theory about these. The music videos are very much akin to songs in a musical on Broadway or in a Disney movie. Uh, the sentiments are going to be topical. What happens in them may not be something that happens in real life. I believe a lot of them are sort of metaphors. I don't think most of them actually happen. But uh, I sort of think of these songs, because a lot of them are written very vaguely, like uh, like a song specifically about... Uh, about the misfits wanting to know who Jem is, is called Who Is She Anyway? Uh, a lot of it could be construed as uh, as the singer talking about a a new girl that her boyfriend's into. 
and comparing herself to that to that girl. Uh, a lot of them could be construed as sort of generic baby songs. Except um, for the one that's on a train. Right, except for the one that is just about <laughs> taking a train, and that's what most of its lyrics are, taking a train. <laughs> well, that's the case with most of the songs, isn't it? I mean, I was watching the first episode and going, all of these songs just have the same phrase repeated over and over and over again. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the songs yeah. aren't great. There are some pretty <laughs> decent ones in there. By and large, the Misfit songs are, in fact, better. And the holograms are designed to have, like, a, a very 80s pop sound. Uh, <clears throat> the Misfits are composed to have, like, a, uh, a rock fusion sound. And the Stingers are a bit of a jazzy. I mean, the way these generally went in the script was, like, they wrote a... Uh, was the writers would basically say, here's where a music video goes. Here is the gist of what we're trying to communicate here. And the composer was just go nuts with this. Um, it's also worth noting that some of these songs were meant to be kind of standalone anyway, because the dolls were packaged with cassette tapes with these songs. <laughs> on them. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. I try and think that, like, most of these songs probably don't actually happen. Like, they're not going to drive around in a car and, and sing a song to each other to make themselves feel better. It, it's just sort of, here's something topical from their discography. At least that's how I rationalize it to myself. See, while Anne rationalize it, I just <laughs> embrace it, and I decide that they are driving around in their little <laughs> rod, pleased by the complete set. And they're just playing the music and singing it to each other because these girls are insane and they live in a post-apocalyptic future. So wait, 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 wait. You're saying that they're hallucinating the whole thing? I'm not saying they're hallucinating. I'm just saying this is the this is after the apocalypse, and the only way to survive is via pop music. I think that's also a valid interpretation. <laughs> I think at this point any interpretation is valid. All the goofiness aside, I think it's pretty damn impressive that the composer managed to come up with three new songs every week for this thing. Oh yeah, um, some of them are repeated. Right at starting, it's uh, like all of the episodes for season one are entirely original songs. Uh, starting in about season two, I want to say maybe one song per episode is a pre-existing song from the season one discography. Yeah. But still, that's that's still yeah. a, an impressive amount of new content every episode. Altogether, like I I have a lot of respect for the show because uh, one of the big things was. Uh, very much promoting diversity um, in the fact that it put uh, an African-American character in prominently within the cast while not making the fact that she was African-American like the entirety of her character. Actually, the same is same. Uh, the same is said for Aja, who is Asian, quote unquote. It's worth noting that all the girls' names are sort of disassociated from their characters. Uh, like, I think Kimber and Aja had each other's names for a while early in production. Yeah. Uh, so, and they're all actually uh, music references. But I think Aja's supposed to be Japanese-American. I, I think I remember reading that somewhere, too. Um, I, I was actually trying to look up her name just now to see what it was, but that didn't help at all either, because her last name is Leith. Right. So again, all music, all music names. Yeah. And uh, later we also get Rhea, who is Hispanic. The and that is a super big part of her character. Though. Yeah, it is. Oh, no. Oh, no. To the fact to the part where like her father is a is a florist who's who's like every other line is like, I'm your steel. Oh, no. Yeah, they're going to drop the ball on Rhea. But, but like, after that, after Rhea's sort of on her own with the band, it is true that she is very much like a 
she has a character. And I, I'm actually, this is, this is something I'm actually really excited about as the comic is going to come out. Uh, they've done things where they've made sure to include, uh, LGBTQ representation, um, canon LGBTQ representation, adding more racial diversity, body type diversity to the cast because they don't have to worry about selling fashion dolls based on one body. Um, and also actually the, uh, the artist, the one who originally did the redesigns, um, uh, she actually came out on Twitter as, as as trans, I believe, yesterday or the day before. Oh, awesome. Yeah. To see the promotion of diversity within the comics uh, creative team as well as on the comics pages. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's all for us in episode zero. Um, we will, uh, we'll see you guys next time for episode one, in which we start from episode one, the beginning. Uh, until next time, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. I'm Mac. And uh, don't forget to be outrageous.